With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Over this past year, I've become quite an expert at doing uh, 
long, drawn-out interviews for people and getting all their titles in there. But, uh, you know, definitely uh, we appreciate you giving us some time. I don't know how it is over where you are, but it is bitter cold here in, the, uh, here in New Jersey. So, you know, Joe and I are trying to yeah. stay warm and, and bundled up. Uh, you know, and, of course, some, some hot stove uh, talk, as it were. But, Caitlin, since I already threw the, the gauntlet out there, can you explain to us what is – the Maryland Miss pageant, and how would it be different than, let's say, the Miss USA or the Miss America that we've covered a bit? Okay. Um. Yeah, Miss USA and Miss America are the two, like, kind of biggest, no, most well-known pageant systems um, here in the States. And um, the Princess America pageant is kind of starting out. It's in its first few years, um, and... So it's kind of not as well known as the Miss USA Miss America system, but it's pretty much like a lot of the girls who compete in the system that I'm currently working with do also compete in Miss America and Miss USA. So a lot of our girls kind of use this as um, kind of like a stepping stone, you know, and um, getting our names out there and doing a lot of work representing our states and making contacts around, um, you know, in our communities and forming those connections with people, and then using this as experience, holding the title, and um, going on to hopefully take the, you know, our state Miss USA and state Miss America title. Okay. Now, let me ask you, um, so basically, you're just saying it's the same, it's the same idea, it's just like on a smaller scale right now. Now, um, are you are you planning on using this as a stepping stone to go to become, you know, Miss Maryland USA, or, or is that not in the cards for you? Oh, no, it's definitely in the cards. Um, I've actually competed in Miss Maryland USA, um, well, with the Miss USA system since 2008. Um, I, and I competed as a team contestant for four years. And then um, I competed in Miss Maryland USA um, last year and then took this year off to kind of do Miss or to do Maryland Miss. And then I want to go back to USA um, next year, but... Before that, I'm actually competing in a different system. Um, it's the Miss U.S. International system um, oh, this wow. coming May. Um, so I'm trying to kind of get my – I'm the kind of person I like to try new things. <laughs> so I'm trying to push myself out of my comfort zone and do something a little new and unexpected and kind of see where this experience takes me instead of jumping right back into Miss USA. Okay. That's interesting. So you so you definitely got a lot of uh, pageantry under your belt and, and things that you're going for now. Now tell us, what was it like to win the Maryland Miss uh, pageant and, you know, obviously represent your home state? Um, well, it this has been the most incredible experience for me because I've always wanted to hold a title, not just to have the fashion, the crown, and to travel, but um, more so to promote my platform. So having uh, being Maryland Miss and having the opportunity to go around the state and talk to be a mentor to the young women in my state and um like all the wonderful opportunities it's blessed me with um has been one of the most rewarding things in my life right now um and i have to say that even though it's a smaller system like we've discussed it's been um it's kind of really prepared me for you know the future and given me a lot of opportunities to network and um promote my platform 
Now, Kaylin, how do you qualify for the Maryland Miss? Um, well, uh, let me see. I know you have to be a resident of your state. You, there's a preliminary pageant, just like in the Miss USA, Miss America system. So you compete, you know, swimsuit, evening gown, interview. Um, and then once you, if you win your title, your state title, you go on to nationals, um, which is okay. held in Orlando, Florida. Um, okay. And there's um, there's a team portion, a junior team portion, and then the miss portion. So you all compete together at nationals in Orlando for your respective titles. Um, and I was blessed enough to take to make the top ten at nationals this year as the first Maryland Miss representative because, like I said, the, this system is fairly new, and I was the first Maryland Miss to ever be, wow. you know, to represent the state at nationals. Good stuff. That's that's yeah, that's really great. Uh, so, what have you gotten out of this experience? Um, well, I have certainly had the opportunity to do one of the things that I've always wanted to do with um, with my platform, and that was go mentor a group of young women. Um, so, I went and spoke with some young ladies at an organization called My Girlfriend's House. Um, and they're located in um, Landover, Maryland. And I went and spoke with them, and they were so sweet and just had a lot of questions about, you know, how to improve self-confidence and how to overcome life obstacles and various things. And um, mentoring and making myself available to young girls, you know, as a role model um, has been one of my biggest, goals in life and having the opportunity to work closely with them and, um, you know, help them to develop their self-esteem was really incredible. And I also was able to, um, well, I've done this outside of holding my title as well, but I lobbied on Capitol Hill with the Eating Disorder Coalition um, in October. And um, I a friend of mine actually documented the trip and the whole experience. So with my title, she kind of followed me throughout the, you know, the day kind of lobbying and talking to my state, you know, senators and their staff. And, um, you know, the Eating Disorder Coalition is doing a lot of work for um, health care improvements for eating disorder treatment. So um, and that's a whole other story. But, um, right. There's some disparities in healthcare treatment and that sort of thing. So it was really nice to be able to go and show them that the state of Maryland really does have a huge need for, um, you know, improved treatment centers and better healthcare options. And to know that I was like able to be a huge part of that was really great. Yeah, I mean, DG always DG and I always talk about it on the show how it's great to have role models like yourselves for women. Um, it's just, and this is a, a great topic. I'm great, I'm so happy for you that, and so proud actually that you're this advocate for, um, you know, eating disorder. But just Thank curious so though, no problem. Uh, just curious though, is this any different than qualifying for Miss USA? Um, yeah, it's very different. Um, this, the only the thing is, like, the, all the states or the pageant systems are all very separate from one another. While they're very similar in the sense that they have similar areas of competition, um, with, the, with the exception of 
occasionally having a talent portion or like a personal expression kind of portion. Um, they're all owned by different people, um, and some of them have different rules and guidelines and things of that nature. Um, Miss USA, the is owned by Donald Trump, and then the Miss USA right. contestant goes on to Miss Universe. Um, the system that I'm a part of does not have an international competition, um, right. and it, you know, they have their national title holders, and it's also um, non-contractual. So, me as Maryland Miss right now, I could go compete, or I could have competed like any time throughout my reign um, for a different title, and. They would have, they actually encourage that. They like, you know, their girls to be able to go on and not be committed to, not necessarily committed, um, but not necessarily being um, restrained by the title to not, you know, go pursue their dreams of being a Miss USA contestant because they want this to be more of that experience factor. Gotcha. Wow. And it's really interesting because, I mean, like you said, the whole contractual aspect of it would, would uh, doesn't limit you. Whereas something like Miss USA, I'm sure that they're bound to, you know, this is where you're competing for, it, <clears throat> and mm-hmm. that's it. Now, what what caught my attention because originally it's funny, and uh, you and I spoke about this, uh, you know, on Twitter. When I originally looked at your Twitter, I, I actually thought you you um, you worded it incorrectly, like to save space instead of putting like Miss Maryland USA, you just put you you know Maryland Miss, and I kind of read it wrong, so I'm like, oh, okay. And then of course you told me it was a different pageant circuit. But what really caught my attention was something that you touched on briefly that I find to be fascinating, and I would like you to get more in-depth on this, is the whole eating aware, uh, eating disorder awareness uh, advocacy that you do. Now, I mentioned you're a Christian, and, and obviously, you know, your faith, uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, your faith would, would play a big part in, in what your beliefs are and what you do in terms of your lifestyle. But tell us, if you don't mind, of course, like what? how did you know that you had an eating disorder and you know, how did you overcome it? Okay, well, I was, oh, goodness, I was 14, 13 maybe, um, and a sophomore in high school when I developed my eating disorder. And I just, it started out as like a simple, innocent diet. Well, the word diet now takes on a whole different right. meaning to me. But right. um, at the time, I thought it was just an innocent little, you know, I just wanted to lose a little bit of weight, get a little healthier. But... Um, some people just don't have the capability of just dieting to lose a few pounds and then stopping. For me, it spiraled out of control, and I eventually restricted so much that my body weight was incredibly low. Um, I was getting very lightheaded. I was eating hardly anything. Um, just very weak, very lethargic, just um, kind of er, like emotional and irrational and for me, I've always been a very happy person, very loving, um, and I started getting kind of mean and just, like, secluding myself from other people and, um, you know, just kind of becoming, just, you know, hide, taking a break from everybody and kind of just hiding into myself. Um, so just and my family noticed that I had lost a lot of weight and they started getting concerned. So they took me to be... Um, to Johns Hopkins, and I was evaluated there um, and then diagnosed not long after. And they allowed me some time, you know, outpatient, just with um, outpatient therapy to kind of pull myself back. But I really wasn't able to because at that point, you know, anybody who's that ill really can't recover on their own. So I was hospitalized at Johns Hopkins um, 
for a few months and got back to a healthy body weight. Um, and it took a while. I relapsed once after that and went back into inpatient treatment. But um, eventually, <laughs> and I would say about a year and a half ago, I would was really able to say that I was fully recovered. Um, but I had never, after, you know, being hospitalized, I never really got back to that detrimental point. It was just right. a matter of, like, trying to find the balance of not worrying about weight and what and not having food at the forefront of my mind all day, every day. Um, so that was really my experience with it, and there's a lot more I could talk about if anybody's ever interested. Um, but um, there's a lot of other things I can answer. If, you know, if you have any specific questions in terms of the experience, statistics, treatment options, that kind of thing. Well, yeah, I mean, we, we, we can definitely get into that. Um, what I find, I guess, fascinating, and it's it's sad, really. Joe and I have talked about this so many times, and, you know, I mean, we both have daughters. Joe are very, very young. You know, Joe's daughter's three years, three years old, and mine is about three months old. So, uh, you know, oh. they're still, they're still <laughs> little. But, yeah. you know, eventually they're going to they're gonna unroll their characteristics and their personality traits and everything else. And, uh, you know, so many things you see on the TV. Now, did, did the thing, anything media-wise, did any of that influence you? Because I know that as a man, I don't I don't see things and think, man, you know, I'm fat or I'm this or I'm that or I'm overweight or, you know, it's just, I, I don't deal with that. I don't have that external pressure. I'm sure Joe could say the same thing. But we've always heard women comments things that the women have said or, or things that you see on TV where women are really pressured into you need to be thin, you need to be super thin, you need to be yep. ultra thin, you need to practically disappear. And and it's a shame because, like I said, with the two of us dealing w- w- with our daughters who are eventually going to gonna have to, you know, we're going to have to confront that stuff, it just makes me sad, you know. It makes me sad to see so many so many women who deal with this and women that we don't even know. Like, I'm a youth minister, you know, aside from this and aside from my job. So I deal with a lot of teenage girls, and, and as a matter of fact, one of them told me the other day, and she's 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 thin, you know, she's not she's not unhealthy, but she said, oh, you know, I'm fat, I need to lose weight, and it's just this is what I hear all the time from from mm-hmm. young girls, and yeah. I mean, how how did how did that all uh, come into play in terms of what? Because you said you're 14, which is about the same age as this girl that I'm thinking about. Mm-hmm. Talk to us about that a little bit. Like, how, how did you you know how did the the media or anything else factor into it? Well, that definitely was a factor for me. I mean, I wanted to, I had big dreams of being a model one day. <laughs> and I gave it up as soon as I realized I was not growing past five foot six. But um, I was very interested in, like, looking at fashion magazines and watching, you know, modeling TV shows. And I idolized these girls who were extremely thin and um, some were more than likely unhealthy, um, and I just thought that that was what I had to be. If I wanted to achieve this big dream of mine, that's what I had to look like. And I've always also been a perfectionist, and I put a lot of pressure on myself to not only look the part of, you know, the cool girl in school and to achieve that, you know, standard for the modeling agencies and to do well in school and to please my family and so forth, that all of that just added up and, you know, really took its toll on me. And that's those so wait, are the Karen, kind of I'm, things. Yeah, I'm sorry to cut you off, but you said something that caught my attention. You said you felt like uh, 
pressure to make your family happy or to please your family? Did you feel that, or was, mm-hmm. it, was that all in your head? No, no, I think it was all in my head because my family's never really said to me, like, you have to be perfect, you know. But I, in my mind, I wanted to do everything I could to please them and to make them happy. And if that meant me, you know, succeeding at this, at, in modeling or succeeding in, you know, just anything in general, if I wanted to diet, I would put it, this pressure on myself to do it perfectly or anything right. else for that matter, whether it be sports, dance, um, pageantry, you know, schoolwork, anything. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't say that my family, like, that it was a rational thought <laughs> process because um, my family's never said, you know, you have to be thin, you have to do this or that. And as a matter of fact, it's not like that at all. They're very loving and just want me to be happy. But I just wanted to please everybody else and not really – step back and think about, you know, what I needed personally. Right. Wow. Now, with with this being such a hot topic, um, I'm sure, again, uh, with young women, do you think, Caitlin, that you've uh, made an impact in your society with, um, you know, bringing awareness to this, this disorder? Oh, gosh, I would hope so. That's the only thing that I want to do with my life. So um, it's what I strive to do every single day. Um, so... And I've heard from a lot of people who say, you know, and it blows my mind, but that the things that I write and, the, you know, the way that I am open about my experience has, you know, inspired them to reevaluate their health and um, the way they look at their bodies and the way they t- treat themselves. Um, and to me, that's the greatest compliment a person can give me. Um, so, I, I mean, I'll never stop doing this and, you know, advocating and raising awareness. Um, It's something that I'm incredibly passionate about, and it's what I'm dedicated my whole life to. So I can only hope that I have made an impact um, and, you know, just hoping to continue doing so. I guess without naming names, has, has anybody come up to you and said, you know, I listened to your speech and I've changed because of you? Yes, actually. Um, and again, it still like blows my mind because, you know, at one point I was that person, you know, just struggling and I didn't want to get better. I wanted to stay sick. I wanted to, at one point I would have rather probably lost my life than gained weight. And that's no lie whatsoever. Um, so, you know, just, it's it's kind of crazy to, you know, hear people say that, you've inspired them or you've helped them change or get healthy and think about the time when you were, you know, when I was so far from where I am today. Wow. You know, it's, I'm so glad that you, you've overcome it. Um, Now, if you don't mind my asking, and this is going to tie into my next question or my, I guess my last question, but how old are you currently? I just turned 20. (laughs) Okay. I'm still a baby. So, so yeah. <laughs> you said but, 14 to about, let's say, 18 and a half. 18. So almost five years you dealt yeah. with it. Yeah, wow. almost, yeah. And, and I mean, it's just so great to see that you've overcome it. Now, has, did your faith uh, play into anything? Because I know you have on Twitter you're a Christian and whatnot. Did that help you in any way, or, or did that? Absolutely, like, did, did, yeah. Um, I I mean, the only person I can contribute my recovery to is God. 
Um, yeah. I mean, praying every day and all day to get me through meals, to get me through, you know, personal inner struggles. Um, really, in the moment, I kind of was just like saying, you know, sending up some prayers and whatever, you know. But yeah, over yeah. time, over time, it developed to be my safe haven and what I really relied on. And that's why I'm so strong in my faith now because I know that the only way I got through this was through God's miracles and um, his faith in me. So I really take that, you know, make that a priority in my life now because it truly helped me get to where I am today. Wow. That's, that's really just, such a such a great thing to hear, um, and like I said before, you know it, it's so great because uh, Joe Joe touched on this. We always touch on this. We've had so many different women from the uh, Miss USA pageant, and you know a lot of, a lot of them give uh, similar answers, and you know they're all great head on their shoulders. You know have been through so much stuff, and you know but none of them, at least not what they shared with us, none of them have gone through specifically what you've gone through. And I know that it's such a prevalent issue in our society, which is why it really caught my attention. So. You know, again, uh, Caitlin, I can't begin to tell you how how happy I am for you personally that you've Thank overcome you so it. Of course, for those women out there who are dealing with it, who may see, you know, someone like you. I mean, you're, you're a model, you know, so you're obviously somebody who has more exposure than the everyday woman would have, or or, or you know, just some random person on the street. So the girls in the state of uh, Maryland really have somebody they can look up to, or somebody that you know they can use as an example and say, wow, you know, if she overcame it, then I can overcome it because I know self-esteem. It's such a huge thing. I mean, it's a big thing for everybody, you know, men and women. But for women, it's so much more of an open thing in society. Mm-hmm. So, again, I'm so happy for you. Joe and I both uh, really appreciate you giving us some time. And, and thank you so very much for coming on. And, of course, much continued success in the future. And hopefully, you know, next time you're on the show, you can tell us that you're, you know, Miss Maryland USA or, you know, Miss <laughs> Universe or something to that ex- extent. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for having me. I truly appreciate it. I, this has been wonderful, and I hope to, you know, chat with you guys again soon. Hopefully, yes. Definitely. You're reigning Miss USA. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, but thank you, Karen, so much, and you have a wonderful <laughs> evening, and try to stay warm. Thank you. Thank you. You too. All right, take care. You too. Bye-bye. Folks, that was the one only Maryland Miss 2011, Caitlin Wozniak. And Joe, I can tell you, uh, I know, I know, you know, time is, uh, is advancing, and we're gonna have to shift gears in a minute. But man, all I can say is that was that was powerful. What she told us and what she's gone through was really just so it's inspiring and, and just amazing and, and sad, all at the same time, sir. That that you know somebody like that, women in general have to deal with such things. It really puts into perspective, um, I guess, the things that we are passionate about. Like you know, we care about our sports teams. We care about, um, me and you, losers that we are, we care about wrestling, you know, stuff like that. But this, this stuff is, you know, this stuff is, this stuff is real, you know, live stuff. I mean, you, you deal with uh, different different topics, and eating disorder is probably a huge, um, you know, a huge topic among young women, and making sure that they're not having eating disorders, and they are eating and living healthier lives. So, it's always good to start the show with some reality, and then we could go on to some fantasy. <laughs> and, um, you know, there's no way to segue between Miss Maryland's USA to um, the Jets, but uh, 
I have something on the phone. <laughs> no, um, well, actually, sir, there is. You can talk about the opposite end of the spectrum. You can talk about something wonderful, and like we just spoke about, and then you could talk about something atrocious and disgusting, like we're about yeah. to get into now. And, sir, uh, should I should I do the honors and introduce our, our next uh, guest? Uh, yeah, you can. I, I, and then um, we'll let him talk for a little bit, and then I'll break down the Jets a little bit, too, and then we'll talk about your Giants. We'll preview the NFL weekend, wild card weekend. And we'll get into some wrestling talk as well. Yeah, I, sir, I just it's been it's been so long. I, it seems like forever. We are joined once again by the the icon, the legend, the Stella, Todd Johnstone, aka TJ, aka Mr. Miserable Jet himself. Todd, how are you doing, sir? <laughs> what makes you think for one second that I didn't call in just to comment on your last caller? Oh well, hey, well, I mean, you know, please, <laughs> please feel free. You can comment, but I know that uh, from what I've under, from what I've heard uh, from Joe, you definitely don't have a problem with a. You you may have a different type of uh, disorder, but uh, it's definitely not an eating disorder from all the comments and things that Joe has said. But uh, you know, and of course, hell. not to make not to make light of that, but I got I got I got to mess with Todd now. Todd, please share with the pure gold audience. How wonderful do you feel knowing that your Jets are done for the season? They're out of here. Well, you know, I it, it, it was a disappointing season, season, but I mean, you could feel at the midway point when we spoke, uh, you could feel that there was something not quite right with the team. You know, there was there was something something was not right. I mean, if they want to call it chemistry or whatnot, you know, that's fine. But I mean. You knew something was was wrong, and you know, in with the long-standing Jet fans that I know, you know, we're I, I, I hate to use the word happy, but we're to some degree we're satisfied with what happened because this is going to end up costing Schottenheimer his job, and it's right. about time. It's about time. This the guy needs to go. His play calling has been awful. Now, as far as the whole Santonio Holmes thing goes, I, you know, and spin, no spin, whatever you want to call it, I mean, I think that he heard the play call. I mean, because we've, we've heard that there has been some rumblings with him, and rightfully so. I mean, he's a captain on this team. He's, he's done his best <laughs> to kind of bite his tongue. But, I mean, it's about time that somebody stood up in that huddle and said, what the heck is going on here? What is with that garbage play call? And I, for one, was satisfied to see it. I was happy to see it. So, if nothing else, it's going to cost Schottenheimer his job, hopefully. Hopefully. And, of course, we're we're all about... People getting fired, you know. I mean, we fired so many producers and people here, but I know that Joe wants to come, and so I'll, I'll let Joe kind of, you know, steer that one. You know, Todd. I mean, I, I agree with you that the season was a disappointment, and you could tell something was wrong. I, I didn't realize that, you know, it doesn't seem like Rex and Mike Tannenbaum have a pulse of this team, or at least this year's team. It looks like. He was either playing dumb to make us look like, you know, we, we don't know what we're talking about, but when he talks about 
not knowing what Schottenheimer's calling and stuff like that, it almost makes him look like a fool. It probably does make him look like a fool. Almost. And the yeah, the fact that he, him and Shotty were never on the same page for the last couple of weeks of the season is just, uh, you know, to me it disappoints. It disappoints me um, because I really like Rex Ryan and I know he's a loudmouth and all that stuff. But you know, you are the head coach. You have to know what's going on at all times. Um, I would think that you know him saying he didn't know what happened to Santonio Holmes, he didn't know he was benched. I think he's almost like, you know, thinking we're that dumb to believe that he really doesn't know what's going on with Santonio Holmes, his best wide receiver, you know, on the team. So stuff like that really upset me. I mean, I understand that they they had a rough, you know, their schedule was not the best in terms of three three consecutive road games and they lost all three and then. They they really took a tailspin after they lost to the Patriots at home after you know coming out coming out of the bye week all that is is well you know whatever it is I mean they lost they lost but all this off the field stuff has to get resolved before they could get better. Well, I mean, we we watched Hard Knocks on on NFL Network. They have a show called Sound Effects. If you mm-hmm. take all the footage, all the sound bites of the sidelines, I'm not talking about press conference stuff. I'm just talking about stuff from those shows. If you take all of those sound bites and all that video footage, at least in my mind, you can put the pieces of the puzzle together. Rex was calling. At the end of Hard Knocks, he, they kept talking about how no one is stepping up. There's no leadership, this, that, the other thing. I think that that's really true, that there is no leadership on this team, that nobody was taking responsibility for, for leading this team. Sanchez may have been trying, but obviously he was unsuccessful. LT was was he had the AED out trying to do CPR on this team. But I think that losing Tony Richardson was a big piece. I mean, I've heard the media talking about Chris uh, about Chris uh, what the heck is his name? Chris um, Chris Jenkins exactly. But I mean, let's be real here. I mean, Chris Jenkins got hurt in what the first game last year? Yep. I mean, he wasn't in that locker room last year, and he got hurt halfway through his first season there. So, I mean, I, I don't even want to hear that nonsense about Chris Jenkins. But, you know, that to me shows me that the majority of the uh, prognosticators out there and the, uh, the, uh, the, the sports spinners, I mean, they, they don't know any more than we know. I mean, <laughs> they're, they're allowed to stand at the facility, and they still don't know anything. <laughs> Yeah, so. definitely. I mean, you know, we just sit here and uh, throw out our opinion, but of course, I mean, what the heck do we know, right, Joe? Yeah, exactly. I mean, so what? for me, I mean, you can put if you put the pieces of the puzzle together, you can see that there. I, I definitely believe that there is some kind of a chemistry problem on that team. Maybe there's an ego problem in the locker room. I do believe that, but I mean, Jet fans, San Antonio's here to stay. He's not going anywhere. I mean, Santonio and Sanchez are here to stay. Let's face it, uh, they invested too much to release them or to find, like, you know, these stupid talks about getting Paint Manning in here. I mean, the guy is so, like, you know, he would put them so over the cap, it's not even feasible for the Jets to get somebody like that. So I, I don't think Sanchez is a problem. I think you need to really straighten out Holmes, obviously. But, you know, people like Bart Scott, I don't think I need you anymore. I mean, you could go now. I mean, uh, that's one of the first people. That's one of the first people I release after I get a new offensive coordinator. Agreed. I mean, the only reason Bart Scott was brought here was because he knew the Rex Ryan system and he was going to 
help that system be integrated into the existing players. And and he did his job, and you can move along now. Right. I heard he was coming first with the the media. Yeah, I saw the footage last night on the – on Chet's open like he he was flipping the bird to the media. Because he probably he knows he's not going to be back. He knows it full well. But, you know, the one thing that I, I am looking forward to is that this year we're going to have a full free agency period. You know what I mean? It, it, everything was just in such a rush last year. It affected the way we drafted. It affected, you know, it, it, we put all our eggs into that Nandiyasama basket, which I – I'm on record as saying how foolish I thought that was. Right. You know what I mean? But maybe this year, you know, Mike Tannenbaum can. I mean, he's taking a Tannenbaum's taking a lot of heat this year for, you know, supposed bad moves. I mean, I mean, when you think about, but think about the moves that Tannenbaum has made. I mean, how many really bad moves has he made? I mean, I can only really think of one. Yeah, he's I mean. <laughs> Yeah, I just think that you know when Mike Tannenbaum had the chance to improve the team, um, he and he tried to, but he tried to do it almost like with sensationalism. Like you know, he signed Plaxico Burris, and then he released receivers that Sanchez was comfortable with. That didn't help Sanchez's progression in his year, in his third year. I mean, people like Braylon Edwards, Jericho Cotri, and you know Brad Smith are all people that Sanchez you know liked to go to and was was comfortable with. So. He had, uh, like, you know, he had Plaxico Burris and Derek Mason for the first three games to throw to besides, you know, Santonio Holmes. I mean, you almost can't blame Sanchez fully. I mean, all the people that think that it's Sanchez's fault, Sanchez's fault, I just think that it's this, you know, the overall picture. It's the offensive coordinator. It's who Mike Tannenbaum brought in, and he's got to get used to, like, people like Plaxico Burris. I don't even know how many more years Plaxico has, but... I mean, hopefully he has another good year in him if they want to sign him. If not, just give him a, another wide receiver. And, again, that's going to take some time to get used to as well. Well, it's been nice to see that Patrick Turner has finally been getting involved in this offense a little bit. Right. I mean, granted, it was when Santonio was on the bench. But even in the past few weeks, uh, I mean, they've actually been getting him involved in the offense. And, I, I mean, he's been on our team for, what, three years now? We've been waiting for him to yeah. do something? Mm-hmm. So it's good to know that you've got at least somebody in your hip pocket. Uh, right. Curly, Curly to me, is the new Cotri. I mean, I, I agree with you. I wasn't really happy about Cotri uh, being shown the door. But, I mean, let's be perfectly honest here. Cotri was looking for number one money. Yeah. And he, he's not a number one guy. Is he clutch? Yeah. Has he got lots of heart? Yeah. He still ain't a number one. Well... It's time to throw the season away because we didn't make the playoffs. We got retool, and uh, hopefully, you know, hopefully, Marty, uh, not Marty, hopefully uh, Schonheimer is fired before the end of this, you know, before the Super Bowl because um, that's the one big thing that the Jets do need. They do need an offensive coordinator that actually knows the offense and gets along with Rex Ryan. So, um, Todd, uh, I mean, thank you for your time, and unfortunately it was a, bit, you know, a negative conversation for the most part. Well, when is it not negative between you two? I mean, even when the Jets are winning, it was negative. Todd was bringing his negativity and his, his, uh, you know, Todd's take, which is usually ripping something or somebody a new one. But such you know, a of downer. course, Todd. <laughs> of course, I'm Todd. It's great to have you on the show, the first show of the 2012 year. So, listen, Todd, what's the deal? Are we are we gonna be hearing more from you, or, or are you just gonna disappear back into the woodwork and go eat some chalupas or something? 
Yes, I think I've uh, I think I've seen I've, I'm seeing the light at the end of the tunnel as far as my uh, my my uh, day job obligations go. So uh, I think I'm going to be having a lot more free time. <laughs> well, don't take that the wrong way either. <laughs> yeah, it, it sounds like it sounds like you're going to be let go, but hopefully that's not the case. Uh, listen, definitely, Todd. Uh, you know, thanks again so much for for giving us some time. As always, uh, appreciate it. And, you know, you're a very valued, even though I rip you all the time, uh, you're a very valued member of the uh, the Pure Gold team, sir. All right, guys. Have a good night. Go Falcons. You too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Shut up. Hang up on Todd. <laughs> Get him the hell off. You know, you can't even be nice to the guy, sir. Uh, sorry, Todd, to get disconnected. You can't even be nice to the guy. It's unbelievable. Here I am complimenting him and saying, you know, he's a like, valued member of the team. He's like, yeah, whatever. Let's go Falcons. You know, uh, unbelievable, sir. Unbelievable. I never thought that in year three of the Jets, especially if they're making the two AFC title games, it would the season would end like this and with so much turmoil, so much, so many questions that they have to resolve now before they can actually contend to make the playoffs next year. It's just truly right. amazing how how backwards this team has gone. Well, you know, sir, is it really that amazing? I mean, think about think about the name of the team. Think about what team name they rhyme with. I mean, come on. The Nets, the Jets, and the Mets are, are completely A to the double crooked letter, backwards organizations. They get everything wrong. They take two steps forward, 13 steps back. Sir, the Jets were maybe a couple of plays away from going to the Super Bowl, just like the Mets were a couple of hits away from going to the World Series. I mean, look at them now. I hope, and you know, definitely for your sake and for the sake of the show, because I hate to hear a miserable Joe talking about the 1-15 Jets. But I hope the Jets can somehow bounce back next year because, you know, when they're good and the Giants are good, it just makes sports talk more interesting. But I'm hoping they're not going to go into a downward spiral like only the Mets can do, sir. Yeah. The the good thing is that one New York team has made the playoffs, but I just want to preface by saying I believe you, sir, gave up on this team maybe two or three times throughout the season, and they I proved you wrong. I think it's like five or six, sir. I think it's All right, five or six. I try, I, I tried to give you the benefit of the doubt. Let's uh, let's just say two or three times you gave up on the team. But, sir, when when it counted the most, the Giants had to win two games at the end of the season to make the playoffs. That was the scenario. They had to beat the Jets and then had to go beat the Cowboys. They took care of business in a very, you know, matter-of-fact kind of way. They took care of the Jets, and then they went and beat the, the Cowboys. I mean, that game Sunday night – was in the bag at 21 nothing. as far as I'm concerned. I know they made it a little bit closer, the Cowboys, but the Cow- uh, the Giants have gotten healthier the last couple of weeks. Their defense is really stepping up, and, you know, let's face it, Eli Manning is having an MVP year. So the Giants are on their way, and they host a, a home game this Sunday versus the Falcons. That It's unbelievable, sir. You said it. I did give up on this team multiple times, but you know what, Joe? Can you blame me? Can you really blame me? Uh, considering the look at all the injuries the Giants had, losing five cornerbacks, losing Terrell Thomas, losing you know everybody, Lawrence Taylor. I mean, they pretty much lost Harry Carson, uh, Carl Banks, everyone this year. And then Eli, you know, his track record hasn't shown. There's there's nothing. There was nothing in Eli's track record to show that he was going to have an MVP caliber year, like you said, and he did. And he's made a believer out of me. I tell you that much. Um, but you know what? I mean, the Giants, I said to myself at the beginning of the year, if the Giants go 8-8, eight and eight, I'll be happy. That's what I expect. That's a good year. And obviously, that that's a lie straight from you nowhere because nobody ever thinks that. Nobody ever says, yeah. yeah. I mean, you could tell me 8-8, eight and eight, you're not happy. Of course not. But 
the Giants, the fact that they're hosting a home game at the at uh, the MetLife Stadium is amazing, sir, and, and I couldn't be happier, obviously, definitely, maybe. I'm thrilled with this team. I'm thrilled with what they've done. And truthfully, sir, what, what really turned the tide, I mean, it, it, it was two men. It was Jason Pierre-Paul on the defense and uh, my boy Eli Manning on the offense because, you know, Victor Cruz also had an amazing year. I mean, setting all types of giant receiving records. He, you know, local Patterson kid. So he definitely is an MVP-type year in terms of being a wide receiver. But the fact that Justin Tuck, these past two weeks you mentioned, they got healthier, it directly coincides with Justin Tuck getting healthier because he was a shell of his of his uh, former self, of his uh, MVP-type Pro Bowl you know, caliber play. He was, an, he was a shell, and the last two games he came up huge. And, of course, the Giants' pass rush, it, it, it's on fire right now due to Jason Pierre-Paul on the one side and Justin on the other. I mean, that alone really makes all the difference in the world because it's, it's hard to throw. When you have that type of pass rush eating you alive, it's hard to throw, sir, because, I mean, Tuck forced fumbles and he got some sacks in there. Pierre Paul did the same thing. And honestly, the, the let's be let's be honest here, the Cowboys crapped the bed. The Giants did dominate them, so there's no there's no doubt about that. That was The Jets game, I think the Jets kind of choked it up a bit and the Giants, you know, just choked it up a little less. So they were able to hold on and hold on and win. But, sir, I mean, the Cowboys, they stink. I don't care what anybody says. Tony Romo is not that great. Yeah, he's injured. But, truthfully, it's always something. I'm tired of the excuses of this guy. If I was a Cowboys fan, I'd want to get rid of him. You know, for for what everybody rips Mark Sanchez for, this guy's been doing it time and time again, and this crew has not been able to get over the hump and get the job done. But, sir, it was great to see them win. It was great to see them dominate. It was great to see them have, a, have a you know, such a wonderful performance. And Eli just kept doing it. Victor Cruz kept doing it. And, Sir, I mean, I honestly cannot be any happier, and, and I think the Giants are going to win this this week. We can get into the current talk with the playoffs. I honestly think the Giants are going to win this uh, this uh, Sunday against the, uh, the Falcons. Sir, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, before we get into that, let's not forget that the Giants were 6-2, and two, so they did finish the season 9-7. I mean, it's not exactly a, a dominant performance throughout the year, but they, they started oh, out typical... You know, typical giant fashion with the cough. And speaking of the cough, you're going to have a chronic cough for the next couple of years because this win, this you know NFC East title, has guaranteed Coughlin comes back for another at least two years. So you're going to be stuck with the chronic cough for at least another two years, which I don't think I don't, is a bad thing. I don't know if I would say at least two years. I'd say absolutely guaranteed. Honestly, I think he, I think he got his his next his uh, next year's contract. I think he got a return engagement with the Giants for beating the Jets because of everything they overcame. But this this Sunday just sealed the deal. So Coughlin is absolutely 100% coming back. There's no doubt about that. Two years, you know, we'll see. But, I mean, we'll see how far they go into the playoffs. Sir, I think if the Giants make some noise this year, let's say they even ended up in the NFC title game, I think that may give you the, the, the whole two-year thing, sir. Yeah. So, basically, the Giants will host a home game against the Falcons. I think it's going to be a close game. I don't think that the Giants are going to blow up the Falcons, but since the Giants are home and they have started to get that home field advantage type uh, deal, I think that the Giants will actually win and go play the Green Bay Packers. Um, and then, you know, you have other three other great games, I think, because I think Wildcard Weekend and the following weekend are always fun weekends for the NFL playoffs. You got the Bengals and Texans, you got the Lions and Saints, and you got the Steelers and Broncos. Um, I know we have a caller out there, but I, just your quick take on this, sir, um, because we don't have to break down these games because there's really no, no of no interest to be honest with you. But the Steelers, a 12 and four, a 12 and four wild card team playing at Denver, 
an eight and eight team, even though the you know the Denver Broncos won the AFC West. Do you feel? I mean, well, they basically I, they, they backdoored it into the AFC West uh, win. Right. Let's be real about that. They they didn't win anything until everybody else lost. Right. Do you think the Steelers should be hosting this game? Honestly, I mean, you know, it's like I was talking to one of my, you know, our former producer Fitz today. It it is what it is. The system is kind of set up this way, and I mean, what can you do? But honestly, sir, I think it's an absolute load of you know what that the Steelers are twelve and four, one of the best records in football. Absolute, you know, the third best record in football had an amazing year, you know, all things considered, and then. They're the ones going on the road to play an eight and eight Denver team. That's unbelievable. And I know that our caller uh, is going to want to get into this, so let's get her on. Uh, today we're proud and privileged to be joined by one of our writers on PureGoldPG.com. We're joined by Amory Dor. Amory, how are you doing? Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, we yeah. Hear. We can hear you. How are you doing? Oh, I'm good. Um. All right. Sorry, I'm like falling asleep. Talk I just had a work. No, sorry, sorry. We understand. Talk to us. You know, Joe and I touched on this. Get, I know you're a Steelers fan. You wrote an article about it today. Give us your take on that. I mean, I obviously think it sucks that they're not having it at home, but I think regardless, the Steelers have gone into the playoffs as a wild card before and made it to the Super Bowl in the past. But I think they'll have no problem going into this. I know with um. You know, with Mendenhall being out with his uh, torn ACL, that's kind of kind of be a little bit of a downer for team morale. But um, you know, they're a veteran team; they're used to having people injured, and I mean, as are many other teams. But um, they always bounce back from it. There's something about the Steelers that, especially this year when they started off losing um, to the Ravens their first game, that sucks. But they picked up from it. They kept going. Um, they continued the momentum. And they ended with um, a 12 and 4 record in the regular season, which is really awesome. Um, but you know, having to go to Denver, it really sucks. But I think that they'll um, be fine. Um, I'm sure. And I, I I, I'm sure that they're going to win it. I don't know how large the margin is going to be, but um, I have you know complete faith in the team. I think Ben will do just fine. You know what's great is that the fact that all that Tim Tebow magic is out the window because let's face it, he's not he's not a good quarterback. And if there's any team, if I'm the Pittsburgh Steelers and I won the wild card and I fought tooth and nail against the Baltimore Ravens to try to get that division but couldn't, I mean there's not a better team that I want to be playing than the Denver Broncos in the first round. I mean I'm not gonna lie, I was I was kind of a Tebow fan all year. I was I kind of fell into that whole Tebow mania business. Not now, of course. Um, but I mean. He really isn't anything special. Um, he had a lot of luck, and, um, you know, I mean, what's better luck than having Jesus on your side? So, uh, no, he, yeah. I mean, he, 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 did, he did, you know, change the team and help the, help the Broncos out a lot, but um, I just don't foresee, you know, them winning this one at yeah, all. Yeah, I mean, you definitely can. There's, there's, there's no way, I mean, I guess it's possible anything can happen. Like we've learned in the NFL, truly anything can happen. But yeah. the chances are, are pretty much slim and none. And, you know, the, the, the truth is that Richard Mendenhall, like you said, not being there is definitely going to affect the team. I mean, if – if uh, and you commented on this in your in your article, so I'd kind of like to just touch on this real quick. You mentioned how Mike Tomlin was being criticized for even letting uh, Ben play. You think that Ben's health can uh, possibly come into come into play here and give the Broncos any type of advantage against the Steelers? Yeah, of course, because – 
he has um like a higher ankle injury. And for Ben, he's the type of quarterback that like mobility is key for him because he likes kind of moving around. Sometimes even you know does a little running himself if you know um, yeah. the occasion bit. calls for it. So I think that that definitely is what hurt them when they played the Niners. So of course, if you know his ankle, you know isn't feeling so great on Sunday, I think that definitely could play a factor. But um, I just think the Steelers, in comparison to the Broncos, have a better team. It's they're just of more course. solid, regardless of the injuries and you know all that. But um, I mean, I think it could play a small factor. But I think I think it'll be good by Sunday. They'll tape it up, so you know, throw a boot on it and. Um, yeah. Well, Redmond will be playing, and I, I, I think they'll be okay. But let me ask you real quick, uh, Emory, and of course we appreciate you giving us some time. Uh, I know you know you've written a couple of articles, uh, all Pittsburgh related. But uh, <laughs> let me ask you this: any any thoughts, uh, any brief thoughts on any of the other games going on? I mean, of course, uh, Joe's team is out, but he and I are both rooting for the Giants this weekend against the Falcons. And any thoughts on those games? Hold on one second. Sorry, I'm simultaneously watching Kim Kardashian <laughs> or the oh, Kardashians. Oh, Sorry, please. I'll turn it off so I can. <laughs> yeah, yeah, please I, don't I mention that name on the show. show. What you say? I said please don't mention that name on this show. We, we, we've touched on Kim, I think, too many times, uh, you know, for for our liking. But uh, give us your thoughts <laughs> on the games, uh, if you could. Um, let's see. Hold on one second. I have to like focus on. I'm exhausted from work, and I was only preparing to talk about schools because that's my team. But um, well, of course, I mean, of course, but you know, I mean, a football fan that you are, I mean, you know, obviously, I think anybody's going to pick the Packers. So, uh, you know, they're not playing this week, but I think that you know, unless you're talking uh, San Francisco, which I know Joe, his wife is a is a big uh, 49ers fan, you know, and they're going in. The, the Packers are going to have the advantage over just about any team, but in terms of this week. You've got the Giants and the Falcons playing, which, of course, the Giants are going to win. I mean, that that's not even that, that's not even an issue, you know. That, that, that yeah. of course, uh, I mean, you know, we, we can pretty much lock that up and throw away the key. But um, there are so many different think, so many different games going on. I'm I'm actually I like Drew Brees a lot. I think he's a very um, very great quarterback. I think that they will be winning over the Lions. Um, I just can't stand Baltimore. Don't like them. I'm. Um, I can imagine. Oh, I really don't like them. But um, the Bengals. Hmm, I don't have a problem with the Bengals. I know, you know, we beat them twice, and you know, so it should be. But they have. I think they have an excellent season because normally, you know, in the past when I've talked about like Bengals in the past years, it's like oh, you know, the Bengals Browns, like you know, they stink. But this year. You know, I have a friend that's a, a really big Bengals fan, and I couldn't really talk as much snack to him because they're actually doing well. So, I mean, I would like to see them beat um, Houston. I think that would be pretty cool. Um, like I said, the Steelers are going to beat the Broncos. Um, of course. I really can't I we all pretty stand New England. agree with that. Um, and obviously the Giants. If obviously, I was a obviously. Steelers fan and I had to pick a team in the New England area, I'd probably be like, I love New York and I'm a Yankee fan. I'd probably be like a Giants fan, but that's the well, you know, between us because yeah, of course, of course, you can't you can't betray your team. Uh, but you know, Amory, we definitely appreciate you giving us uh, you know a few minutes, and of course, you're always welcome to call on the show. And after this week, depending on what happens, I mean, you, you know, you can tune in next Tuesday, you can call in next Tuesday, and give us your take on if uh, Tebow mania somehow resurfaces. <laughs> 
or if Big Ben, you know, leads his team to, to victory uh, again. But thank you so much for, you know, giving us a couple of minutes. Thank you. All right, take care. Folks, that right, was – take care. That was, uh, of course, uh, you know, i got to say that a couple of times, Joe, just, you know, take care, spike your hair, as uh, Zach Ryder would say. Um, you know, that was, of course, Anne-Marie, who blogs on our wonderful website. Joe, we're going to have to shift gears as we close out the show this evening. We've talked a bit about football. We talked Giants. We talked Jets. We broke it down as only PG can do. But, sir, we need to touch on the double-double-E. Yes, we shall. I mean, last night was Raw. It was the the first Raw of the new year, obviously. And it was a big build-up to the whole one two twelve, And pretty much everyone guessed it. I think it just you know leaked out there that Jericho was going to be in town in Tennessee. Ooh. So he was the big surprise. Uh, Chris Jericho, Y2J. I'm sorry, uh, Chris Jericho? Nah, you're talking formerly Y2J, formerly... You know, the best in the world at what I do, the one and only, the man, the myth, the legend, the, I can't say icon, but, sir, obviously everybody knew he was coming out. Definitely everybody knew he was coming out, but I thought it was executed well. I'm sure that people are going to sit there and they're going to say, you know, well, he, he pandered to the crowd too much or it dragged on or it took too long, but I think that the Internet wrestling community is very much um, a bunch of fools because, truthfully, sir, what they did with Y2J was perfectly play out the fact that he can come back and be a heel in a second. His return, he's obviously going to get a huge pop. He got a monster pop, you know, one of those, like, rock-level pops. But, uh, you know, he got a wonderful pop, and, of course, that was a big thing here. But in this situation, with Jericho, I mean, he, like I said, pandered to the crowd, took way too long, didn't say anything, upset the people. By the time he walked off the stage, everybody was booing him. And of course, speaking of getting booed, speaking of walking off the stage, as we end up the show, I gotta have Pyro Falcon, who from online also who hasn't called it in quite a while. Pyro, first off, how are you doing? Second off, give us your take on Y2J. What's up, guys? I'm doing all right. Um, I've been all right, just uh, super crazy busy. Still, I'm super crazy busy. Speaking of WWE, I'm writing the IGN Entertainment Guide for WWE 12. Go to IGN.com to check that out. Awesome. Anyway, enough awesome. self-pimping. Cheap work. Um, yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh, so, yeah, Y2J, it was awesome. Um, I intentionally avoid spoilers and all that stuff, as you know, so I had no idea he was in town. Um, they had plenty of little, uh, what's the word? I can't even think of the word. Um, red herrings, I guess, on those videos because it seemed creepy and Undertaker-ish, but you know, obviously that didn't turn out. I mean, Jericho's brilliant. I don't know if you follow his Twitter thing, but he was even um, he was mentioning yeah. on Monday night that he wasn't even part of the show. He was skiing in the L uh, in some the Rockies or something. Posted a picture of himself fans. skiing. Yeah, and uh, but obviously that was all lies. But I totally agree with you that the way they reintroduced him was the most brilliant thing they could have possibly done because he was going to be a face no matter what he did. I mean, there was no way he could not come back as a face. So by totally overplaying as a face to the point where it literally started irritating everybody and then leaving without saying a word, that just upset everybody, and it was perfect. It was yep. the only way he could come back as a heel, the only possible way. And it's good 
because, I mean, I like Jericho. I like him better as a face, but he is a brilliant heel, and right now uh, all of WWE is too face-heavy, so they need another heel who doesn't stink. Oh, he's a great heel, obviously, and the truth of the matter is that having him back, and, you know, I I wanted face Jericho. That's just me. Having the... uh, the Jericho that we've had recently of, you know, I'm the best in the world and use gelatinous tapeworms and blah, blah, blah. I'm kind of not looking forward to that. But having him on the show, period, is a huge boon because he's so good. He's so talented. As a matter of fact, I'm, I'm planning on writing an article this week on why he's so good and what he really means to the WWE. But just having him back and to, the fact that he's going to go into a program with CM Punk, you know, and that, that's the that's the rumors around the dirt sheets, but that's pretty much a lock it up. That is going to be an amazing program. I mean, anybody, that's pretty much a dream match you can think of for CM Punk at this point in his career and and, uh, for Jericho. You know, what do you think about that, Byron? Oh, yeah. The promos Jericho cut against Rock back in the day were already great. Punk has proven he's probably the best talker we've seen since The Rock. And, uh, you know, any promo work that those two do against each other will probably blow up the minds of, all the new fans and make the rest of us happy for nostalgia back in the 90s when the Attitude Era was a thing. But, uh, you know, Jericho is a fantastic technical wrestler, fantastic showman. Um, he, I mean, he once said that he evolved with the WWE. That's why he did the gelatinous tapeworm type of speech uh, for his last heel run because that's what he needed to do, even though, you know, he had never whipped out a thesaurus like that before. <laughs> so uh, who knows? Maybe he, maybe he'll actually change up his promo style a little bit this time to further evolve. Because I really think toward the end people were getting a little sick of his promo style. So um, you know, but whatever he does, it's going to be great. Matches against CM Punk are, will be fantastic because um, I actually do agree with Punk that he is the best wrestler in the WWE right now. Um, I mean, Daniel Bryan would probably be a close second to me. You know, uh, but. Punk is, I agree. Uh, Punk is definitely first. Uh, Jericho is probably number two at this point, maybe even number one. So their matches, if they're allowed to go and let the handcuffs be off and really go after each other, play with each other for 15, 20 minutes, then you know it might actually make me start buying pay-per-views again. <laughs> yeah, definitely. and let's welcome back a couple weeks ago also Kane, who's done us the favor of taking John Cena as the title pitcher for at least a couple months, and even probably more than a couple months, because then he'll go into a feud and finish up the whole Rock, you know, Cena, um, you know, match at WrestleMania 28. So Pyro, you know, I talked about this with DG, and he mentioned that they almost painted themselves into a corner. I'm not sure how they're going to end this feud, and the way they're going about it, uh, making John Cena, trying to make him heal with this whole, like, you know, Kane showing that hate is a good thing. I don't even know if that's a good thing, to be honest with you. What's, What's your take on everything with that? Um, well, due to the pure gold audience, I'm going to uh, respectfully decline to comment on Kane's exact words because that's a whole uh, philosophical thing that I would rather actually talk about in private But uh, after okay. the show. But beyond that, <laughs> right, right. Um, uh, I, it's interesting to me. I mean, it's really – interesting is the only word I can say uh, – that I will say publicly. I mean, it's it's just a fascinating idea to me, um, hearing them go back and forth about it. And I, I think it's sort of what they need to do, because if Cena's not going to go full-on heel, then um, 
this is the only way they can do it. They, you know, Cena has to. Cena's come to the point where he must acknowledge all the boos, which he's doing, and the boos are picking up even more. Um, but he, you know, WWE just can't make him fall on heel because, as you said, they painted even Cena into a corner with his whole, you know, loving kids, and that came out wrong. But you know what I mean? Uh, being a being a role model to the kids Definitely and doing make a wish and all that. <laughs> so uh, I don't know. It, it's I I don't think they're gonna. Well, I should say I hope they don't. I, I actually had a fear that. Uh, with Kane throwing fire from his hands and that nonsense, but he's going to somehow hypnotize Cena to be evil or something. I hope they don't do that. I think they've gotten away from more of the stupid, wacky, supernatural storylines that they were doing for a while when ratings were low. Yeah, with, um, with The Undertaker and stuff, that horrible mess that they used to do with the lightning striking, the post and everything else. Exactly. And uh, that was my initial fear, uh, especially seeing on Monday when Kane was, you know, coming up through the ring and dragging, attempting to drag Zack Ryder to hell and all that nonsense. It was kind of literally to hell. Yeah. So uh, I, I was hoping, I, I'm hoping that there isn't some mystical power or some stupid crap that's going to go over Cena. And it's a weird dichotomy versus uh, CM Punk, because Punk is trying to do everything grounded in reality and, you know, turning professional wrestling into as close to a legitimate sport as it can be. And then we have Kane and Cena doing pretty much the exact opposite, so I don't know. But uh, I, I do know that Kane is, you know, he, he's been a good wrestler, and when he's been a heel, he's been good. This is a good way to erase um, the saxophone or the trombone incident with Santino. And what I find interesting is when we saw Kane do the trombone with Santino all those months ago, I had written that there is no coming back from that, that there is no way Kane can be a heel Again, but keeping him off TV for what four or five months, and then yeah, you know about, him pulling out all the stops like this, it's uh, made me crow. I mean, you know, he's a solid heel. Probably no one except me remembers the trombone incident. So uh, no, I, I remember. Know, it, I, I try to I try to erase it from my brain, but I can't. What's interesting is that <laughs> it plays back into the whole Jericho thing because his return, keeping him off TV for so long, the last time everybody saw him, he was a heel, but he comes back, bam, he's a face. But with Kane immediately going after Cena instead of Mark Henry, which is, I thought, where they were going to go, they solidly place him in the whole heel realm. I, I kind of like the fact that Kane is doing what he's doing now. I love the fact, and I know Joe agrees, that this keeps John Cena out of the WWE title picture where he does not need to be. Although, ironically, he is probably one of the better opponents for CM Punk because of the work they were able to do over the summer. I mean, in terms of getting Punk over with credibility. I mean... With us, with the internet people and people like you know who follow it um, the way that we do, him fighting Dolph is a good match. It's a great match. Some people are in love with Dolph Ziggler. Me and Joe think he's good, not great. Side note, but that's a good match in terms of just wrestling. And it is Royal Rumble, so they're not going to put their main, you know, WrestleMania caliber uh, opponent. But the fact is that, you know, where Cena is now is where he needs to be, and that's away from the title picture. But like Joe said, it's just awkward because... How do you segue from this into The Rock? We all know he's fighting The Rock in like three months. How do you go from Kane choking him? And you know, I'm I'm thinking at the Rumble it's going to be a countout or or no contest. I don't think it's going to have a definite winner. You can't have Kane lose and you can't have Cena lose. So what do you do? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe that'll be the time the Undertaker comes back and destroys everyone. Who knows? I mean, you know, I don't know what Undertaker's doing, but. You know, they haven't mentioned anything about him, and I highly doubt whatever uh, injuries he 
is still nursing or whatever is going to take him, you know, over a full year. So I, I assume he'll get involved somehow. But the thing is, Rock and Cena sells itself, especially since they've had it announced for the last year. So they can um, even play this so long that Kane Cena doesn't resolve itself until Elimination Chamber. And then, you know, you have four or five weeks between that and WrestleMania where Rock and Cena can finish selling their match. But, again, like I said, they they don't really even have to. Cena and Rock can just simply show up on WrestleMania Day and do their thing, and the crowd will lead it up because, you know, we've been kind of wanting this match for ten years. But, uh, uh, you know, I don't know where they're going with this whole Kane thing. I, I am afraid that because Cena and Rock have to be, you know, absolutely at the top of their game, that Kane's going to wind up losing out uh, fairly cheaply or fairly quickly, and it won't make much sense. Uh, I sort of hope Kane and Cena would have had a longer storyline, but, you know, as we're using the term again, they have kind of written themselves into a corner. So Kane's got to go sooner than later. But, you know, we'll see how it plays out. Um, Hopefully it's not incredibly stupid. Right, right. Hopefully not. And, you know, Pyro, we definitely appreciate you giving us a few minutes. Hopefully, we, you know, we can have you on regularly because we haven't talked too much WWE, but now with Jericho back in the fold and heading into the Royal Rumble, you know, the best part of the wrestling year, we'd love to have you on more frequently. And, uh, you know, we'll definitely talk some more about this next week and get into Jericho as we're, you know, well into our, our overrun where we'll get Chris Jericho's explanation of what he's doing or hopefully what he's doing or not doing. But, again, Pyro, yep, thanks so much for giving us a, a few minutes, and hopefully we can have you on again next week. Absolutely, guys. Take care. Folks, that was the one and only Pyro Falcon, writer for OnlineOnfall.com and IGN.com. And, folks, as we wrap up today's show, action-packed show, amazing show. We're a little bit into our overrun. We we just want to thank everybody who called in the show. I mean, you know, we had uh, A. Marie who called in, and you can follow her on Twitter, A. Marie uh, SCF. It's A-M-A-R-I-E-S-C-F. Uh, you can check her out there. She's uh, are both friends with my, myself and Joe. You can follow Pyro, of course. Now, I'm looking for his uh, specific um, Facebook, excuse me, his whole Twitter handle. But uh, you can follow him on, on Twitter as well. And Pyro definitely has some interesting musings, as it were. Oh, it's just Pyro Falcon, at Pyro Falcon on Twitter. And, of course, you can follow Caitlin who was a wonderful guest. I mean, I don't even want to give out Todd's uh, Twitter information because he, he's an absolute clown. But um, Caitlin Dinna, D-I-N-N-E-H, uh, at Caitlin Dinna. You can follow her, of course. You can check us out uh, on our Twitter where you can see everything. So once again, you can follow Amory. You can follow Pyro. You can follow Caitlin. I mean, you can follow everybody and anybody off, uh, off PG. Of course, uh, you know, we thank you so much for checking out the show. We thank you so much for listening and being a part of it because – Folks, without you, there would be no pure gold, and without our callers and without those of you who make the show special, there would be no awesome, wonderful, amazing, great show such as PG. Sir, you got anything uh, you'd like to say before we wrap up? Hi, Pye. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, there, there's a commentary I have to throw out there. I've heard that uh, Todd is just riding the Pyro's coattails in terms of uh, the big comeback, sir. I mean, uh, any truth to those rumors? Um, yeah, we'll we'll probably have to dive into that next week. Uh, but they um, are confirmed. Yes. <laughs> Joe, you have a wonderful evening, sir. And folks, for those of you listening out there, all you wonderful callers, 
And listeners, we thank you so much again for tuning us in. We'd like to uh, tuning into us. We'd like to thank Caitlin Wozniak for giving us her time and sharing, uh, shedding light on something so important, such as eating disorders and, of course, the whole Maryland Mist uh, pageant circuit. We're just so thankful and grateful that she was able to join us. We're thankful for Todd, you know, giving us some time. He's been MIA, but we're thankful to have him back in this new year. We're also grateful to Amory, who called in to share her take on the Steelers. She also writes articles for us. PureGoldPG.com, and of course the one and only Power Falcon from online. So I know this is a this is a whole big plug fest, but we had so many different people call in, sir. I mean, today was an action-packed show, and this is definitely a sign of what's to come for the new year here with uh, Pure Gold. But folks, as always, for JB, this is DG of Pure Gold reminding you to always keep it PG, and remember to tune in next Tuesday night at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time because we are going to have two action-packed guest. We're going to have the wonderful, the super talented Jared Bunch, former New York Giant, former Oakland Raider, who's also now an accomplished actor, and we're going to have the lovely, the beautiful, the talented Brittany Dawn Brannon, but um, um, quite a long name there, but she is Miss Arizona, 20, <laughs> Miss Arizona 2011. We've had 2009, we had 2010, Boom, 2011 is coming up next week. Two guests. It's going to be action-packed, a back-to-back in the belly-to-belly. Folks, just remember, take care. Have a wonderful evening. And always, always tune in to the greatest show on earth. What's the name of your show? Uh, Pure Gold. Pure Gold? Yes, sir. I got two words for you. Pure (laughs) Gold. Good night, everyone. Shut up, shut up. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.